Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. I believe. I believe. Amen? I believe in Jesus. I choose to believe on this day. For I believe. I believe whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And I believe I'm on that journey. I'm claiming the promise to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And that's what we're doing today as we gather in this place. So good morning, church. Good to see each and every one of you. My name is Dennis, one of the pastors. Today is week two of our sermon series, Discover God's Will. And I'm glad that you joined us in person. Welcome. I want to welcome those worshiping with us online. Those even who are checking us out for the first time, welcome. Take just a moment and look around, maybe turn around just real quick, cut someone's eye. Look around and see who's here because we've been so focused on the Lord and focused on worship. Just take a moment and just look around. If you see someone you don't know, then after the service, perhaps go over and introduce yourself to them. They may be new or you're new and you can meet a new friend today, but we're glad you're here. As I said, we are in a teaching series, a three-part series. This is week number two on Discover God's Will. Last week, we looked at waiting. Many of us are in a season of waiting, and waiting is difficult. If you missed that message, I invite you to go back into our website, into our messages on demand, and catch up on that. Today, we're looking at following God's guidance as we seek God's will. Now, I am holding in my hand a remarkable piece of technology Many of you are holding something like this as well, a smartphone, an iPhone, has many different capabilities. One of the things I love about my phone is it has a GPS. What does that stand for? Global Positioning System, right? They're remarkable tools of our age. In fact, if you look up in the sky and see flying over the Miami Valley today at 39,000 feet, if you can barely see it up there, a 737, or perhaps you are at the beach and you look out over the ocean and you see a cruise liner cruising into a harbor, or perhaps you see a taxi cab looking for a Chinese restaurant on the east side of Dayton, more than likely, they are being guided by a GPS. These GPSs, they used to cost thousands of dollars on their own. Today, they're pretty inexpensive, but we use them almost every day. Now, a while back, I was straddling my motorcycle at a pretty good rate of speed, and I was being guided by one of these GPSs, and I came to the realization that God has a guidance system for each of us to discover God's perfect way in our lives and in our church if we follow that. And what I want to do today, I want to get really practical. I want to take you to a book of the Bible to tell you about a man who was just an ordinary guy, just getting up, going to work kind of a guy. 
in which God used him to change a nation. He used him enough that even thousands of years later, over 2,000 years, we're still talking about him halfway around the world in Tip City. His name was Nehemiah. Again, he has a whole book written about him. You can find him in the Old Testament. So I invite you, if you are holding a Bible, I invite you to pick up your Bible. Perhaps you have the scripture on your smartphone. Go ahead and look up Nehemiah. If you're holding a Bible and you're not sure where that's at, just kind of flip it over to the middle. It's pretty easy to find the Psalms, right? In the middle of the Bible. Then flip back a couple books and you'll find Nehemiah. And what I want to do is I want to walk you through his life, looking at his biography, And we're going to highlight four points in which we can learn from him how God's guidance, God's GPS works. We're going to have a little fun with this. So if you're taking notes today, I encourage you to do so if this can help you. So let me tell you about Nehemiah. Again, he was a regular guy with a regular job. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 tells us what he did for a living. He was a cupbearer for a foreign king, the king of Persia. He was actually an exiled Jew living in a foreign land. He was a servant. So the Bible says he was a cupbearer. What was that? He was basically the king's bartender, and he looked after the wine cellar. Not a incredible job, right, to change the world, just an ordinary job, But he worked hard at it, as we shall see in the story, and we will look at how God used him to impact now all of eternity. That leads me to the first point in God's GPS, and it's this. Do whatever you're doing right now to the very best of your ability for God's honor. Church, whatever you're doing right now, wherever God has you at this moment in your life, give your very best. You may be thinking, I'm in a dead-end job. I want to say, do your very best, not just for your employer, but actually work as if you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ, for you are God's workmanship. So just get up and have a good attitude and go and do it. And whether perhaps you're a student and you are saying, I want some great career. Well, write in your studies right now. Just do your very best. Not simply for your mom and dad. Not simply for your teachers or for others. And not simply for yourself. But do it for the Lord. Perhaps you're retired from your full-time occupation. But God has placed you in certain situations. Perhaps it's at church. Perhaps it's in the community. And you have the possibility to become a leader. Or maybe you just are serving in some way. I want to say, just do your very best. Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy with an ordinary job. But he, he showed up and he gave his very best. He gave his heart. And as a result, we'll see later on that he gained favor in the eyes of this foreign pagan king. Enough that when he called upon the king for a favor, an unheard of favor, to grant him a request, as we shall see in the story, because he was so loved by this king, the king not only granted his request, but he blessed him, and he gave him the supplies that he needed to have, and he gave him permission to do what he needed to do. 
When I look through church history, when I look through the Bible, and I see the individuals that God used, I see those are people who look at their present situation as a way to honor God and as approving grounds for the future. It's not, well, if I get this good job, if I land in this place, then I'm going to be great. No. Those people who excel are people who understand Jesus' own words. He or she who is faithful in little things will be faithful in what, church? Big things. And the opposite is true. If you can't be faithful in little responsibilities, you're going to have a hard time being faithful in bigger responsibilities. I had a friend for years who had a hard time handling money, managing money, but he was wise enough to say, you know, one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of money and right now is not a good thing for me to have a lot of money because I know I would blow it. I can't even manage what I have. How in the world would I manage bigger responsibilities? I've been hanging around the church long enough, even in the area of giving, people say, you know, if I just had this career, I'd tithe. I'd say, probably not. Because if you can't be faithful and manage God's resources in small amounts, you'll always have temptations. You'll always have areas to spend. You'll always want more and more because that's the human heart. And so what I want to say is just show up. That's the first road to success, the first step. But secondly, have a good attitude. Now think about your current situation if you're employed. Would you be considered by your employees in the top 10 to 20% of workers? At least when you go into the room, you light up the room. You bring encouragement. You bring hope or at least you have a positive attitude or you a Debbie Downer. That's a challenge for all of us. But I want to encourage you to just do your very best and we'll see what happens. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. Now, as he's serving as the bartender for the king, his brother shows up and tells him of the woes back at home in Jerusalem. You see, the nation had been destroyed and part of the people had been exiled to a foreign land, but not all. There were those still living in the land. And his brother told him about the walls that had been demolished and how the people were broken and the enemies of God's people were at their gates and they were harassing them. And this brought great um, stress on Nehemiah. His heart was stirred. He had a, a lot of emotion. And let's look at verse four of chapter one. He said this, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And that leads me to the second observation of following God's GPS. Often, the first indication of new guidance coming from God is a powerful stirring of the human heart. Your knees may buckle. You may feel some uneasiness in your soul. Think about Moses when he watched an Egyptian beat a Hebrew. The Bible says his heart was stirred. When David heard Goliath mocking God's people, his heart got stirred. Pay attention to the things that 
give you passion, that stir your heart. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. Now, perhaps it's just that you ate spicy food in the evening, okay? But if this is something that's ongoing, that there's something stirring within your soul, your emotions, you're very tender, perhaps talk to someone. That's what Nehemiah did. He talked to his brother. I know my life has changed tremendously over the past year. I've said this many times before. I've been here nearly six months. I mean, a year ago, I never thought I'd be standing on this stage. And uh, when I came back to my pastorate in Grove City, you know, I was so longing to be home and I love those people and I still do. And we lived there for 14 years in the same house. And even though I'd worked away, I'd come back and it just, it was, it was my home. And in some ways, my heart's still there in many different ways. And I was comfortable. I was surrounded by some of my closest friends in the world. And, and uh, it was a very easy place for me. But quickly, I realized that there was something stirring within me. What is God doing here? We never know what God is doing. And then hearing the word early in the summer, I was coming here, I remember, and I don't think I've ever told you this before, I came over to the campus and I stood out by the sign by the interstate and I just raised my hands to heaven and said, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but I just surrender fully to you. See, when your heart gets stirred, watch out because God may be doing a new move. And that's what was happening in Nehemiah's life. What makes you cry? What makes you dance? What makes you laugh? So when his heart got stirred, the next sentence says, he fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. God, what do you want me to do? And that leads us to the next point today. God's guidance is best discerned by those lives who are fully surrendered to his leadership, who are fully yielded to his leadership. And so we find this powerful prayer in the first chapter. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of submission because repentance means, I've said this before, turn around, meaning It's not just, oh, I feel bad about it, I'm sorry. No, repentance means a 180. It means you're going one way and you are to go a different way. You're following your way and now it's time to follow perhaps God's way. Look at verse six and seven. Now this powerful prayer is from verse five to 11. I just wanna read, I don't think we have these words on the screen, so just hear the sound of my voice here. He prays this, Lord, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So he's praying on behalf of the people, right? I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws that you have gave us, meaning that we followed our way. We've not been faithful to your laws, to your creeds. So the first road is to give your life. The second is to turn from your own ways to God's ways. Saying, Lord, not my way anymore. A couple weeks ago, I said, we need to stop 
praying the prayer of Frank Sinatra, meaning I did it my way. Lord, I want to do it your way. Talk to any airline pilot flying through the clouds or flying very high at night. Talk to any boat captain a thousand miles from the coast in a storm at night. And they'll tell you, you would be a fool to follow your own sense of direction. Any wise person would take one of these GPSs or at least a compass. When was the last time that you prayed the prayer of the old hymn writer, have thine own way, God, have thine own way. You are the what? Potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. That should be your prayer. And here's the reason, gang. I don't want to lose you here. Here's the reason. Because sometimes our way is not God's best way. Wouldn't you hate to go through your entire life and miss it? Meaning, miss God's best, miss God's direction for our lives? Sometimes we have to even give up good things in order for great things. Let me tell you a true story. This is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And I want to tell you a story that many of you perhaps have not heard because it's not one that's told, but it's a very true story and it has a local connection. How many here have heard of the Reverend Dr. Dwight L. Loader? Dwight L. Loader. I mean, I don't see any hands in the room, okay? Uh, how many have heard of the name Bishop Loader? Bishop Loader. Well, about three of you, okay? We got some old-time Methodists in the room. Well, Dwight Loader served as our bishop in the Methodist Church here in Ohio in the late 1970s and early 1980s, actually from 1976 to 1984, he was the overseer of the Methodist churches here. So a local connection was that he appointed Michael Slaughter to be the pastor of Gigginsburg. So aren't you glad years ago that Bishop Loder appointed Mike Slaughter? Mike, if you're watching this, good morning, Carolyn, Mike, today. And I believe, but Mike could tell you, I believe that Bishop Loder ordained Mike. That would have been right around the time that he can let us know if that's the case or not. So if you're online today, Mike, put that in the chat. <laughs> okay? So that's Bishop Loder. What does that have to do with Martin Luther King Jr. weekend? Well, before Bishop Loder was elected to the Episcopacy, he served as president of Garrett Bible Institute, which is now Garrett Evangelical Seminary, our United Methodist Seminary on the grounds of Northwestern University in Evingston, Illinois. And many of us are familiar with Northwestern. Either we may have a few graduates here or, of course, because of the Big Ten. <laughs> he served there as president of a seminary at Northwestern from 1955 through 64. In May of 1958, my uncles, two of them, John and Robert Zinsmeister, were just graduating from Garrett, so I have a local connection to that seminary during the late 50s. But it was in May that 
the president and the university invited a young 29-year-old, Martin Luther King Jr., to come and give two lectures that ended up being two big sermons. The place was packed. Martin Luther King had just recently received his PhD in systematic theology from Boston University. He was known because three years later as the pastor, three years before as the pastor of Dexter Avenue, Baptist Church in Montgomery that sits right beside the state capital of Alabama. He was a leader in the Montgomery bus boycotts. And he had just finished school and he was invited to a standing room only audience to give these lectures on nonviolence resistance and race relations in the United States. You can imagine the people hung on pins and needles and wanted more and more and more. It was a huge success. Martin Luther King loved being there in the beautiful shores of Lake Michigan. Beautiful campus if you've ever been up to Northwestern. And so three months later, it was August the 5th, 1958, that President Loder, Bishop Loder, sent a letter to Martin Luther King Jr., invited him to become part of the teaching faculty at Garrett at Northwestern. It was an ideal job. And Martin Luther King later said he was flattered. He was very interested. His life was set. He'd be making good money. He would have a platform to continue his message. He would be well-respected. I mean, if you were given a job, an esteemed institution today, would that be your dream job? To be loved and embraced? And so he was very interested. And so he said, like all pastors should say, let me talk to my wife. Let me talk to Coretta. Let me talk and pray about it and talk to God. And then he came back and he sent this letter. Now, I found out about this letter. Now, you can Google it and you can find it. It's pretty easy now. The story is, is part of American history. I was first given a copy of this letter by our own bishop, Bishop Palmer, since Bishop Loder was our bishop several years ago. Now, listen to Martin Luther King Jr. as he declined this incredible opportunity to teach at Northwestern. 1958. He says... President Loder, I say reluctantly because I am not absolutely convinced that I'm doing the right thing, meaning by saying no. But there comes a time when a man must decide and venture out on the basis of that decision. I have a deep sense of responsibility at this point and feel for the next few years, at least, my place is here in the deep south doing all in my power to alleviate tensions that exist between Negro and white citizens. I have started on this challenging venture of love and nonviolence, and I am all too aware of the fact that this philosophy has not been spread enough throughout the Deep South. I am hoping by the grace of God to be able to carry this approach far beyond the bounds of Montgomery, and this will take both time and hard work. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 
August 1958. Wow. Do you get it, gang? Do you get it? Martin Luther King said no to a dream opportunity. He said no to a great position in order to say yes to something God was calling him to do. To be a co-missioner with Jesus Christ, to leave a movement in America. And Martin found his voice. Amen? Anybody in the house this morning? And the rest is history. We talk about blessing. We talk about being in the goodness, being in the will of God. That, friends, is not the prosperity gospel. Don't anyone say down there at Gingsburg, they're preaching Christianity light and fluff and all that. Absolutely not. Sometimes living God's best, living in God's blessing, living in God's perfect, pleasing, goodwill, Romans chapter 12, comes by carrying a cross. Martin actually ended up giving his very life for the cause. And yet all of America is changing. We're not there yet. <laughs> but we've been changing or changing because he found his voice. He traded in something good for great. Nehemiah. God had something greater for him. But he was needing to be willing to say whatever it takes, Lord. I turn from everything I know. I, I turn from my way. And I turn to your way. And so someone said, ask the king for permission. And because that he had gained favor in the eyes of the king, the king got behind the effort to go back to Jerusalem, gave him a passport, even gave him lumber to start the work and to start to rebuild the walls. And that leads me to my final point. We're almost through. God's guidance system only works for those who act on it. It remains theory. It remains theological abstract. It remains just talking about it. Don't we have enough political pundits that talk about things all the time? There comes a point when we got to say, enough of the armchair quarterback. Enough of this sitting around in Bible study talking about the problems of this nation and the problems of the church and the problems of the world. I'm actually going to do something. You say, well, God can't use me. I'm just a little old me, ho-hum. Really? Remember Rosa Parks? Little tiny lady, Montgomery, Alabama. You know, she was a good Methodist. Some people don't know she was a Methodist her whole life. She was part of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the AME, founded by Richard Allen, who was ordained by the father of Methodism, Francis Asbury, here in America, sent by John Wesley. And yet because of her faith, because of her conviction, she was part of a movement where she said enough and she refused to give up her seat and her bus. Now, she had no idea. Now, she may have had a little idea because she was part of a movement with, of course, uh, Dr. King and others where he was at Dexter Avenue. But she had no idea that this set in course a domino effect. This set in course ripples. She had no idea that a tall, chunky, young 50-year-old preacher in Tip City, Ohio would be talking about her 65 years later, right? She had no idea that her little, I'm going to do something today, 
is going to change the difference. What about you as we close? My life is insignificant. My life doesn't count. If I could just grab you for a moment and say, God, the father sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. If you would have been the only person to ever live, he would have went to that cross for you. Don't say that your life is insignificant. Your life matters in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. Amen. If somebody doesn't say hallelujah, I'm going to get raptured this morning. Finally, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God wants to use you and me. He used a bartender of a foreign king for religious purposes to change the world. And God wants to use you if you're willing to follow. Oh, I want to find God's will. Is it door number one, door number two, door number three? Let's make a deal and find out where it's at. God says, here I am, follow, follow my lead. I'll take your hand and we'll go into places we never dreamed or imagined. That's the good news. Amen. Are you ready for the journey? Are you ready for something? Are you ready to trade good for great? Are you ready to take that next step and be faithful each day? We're going to close the way we did last week. If you'll just hold out your hands, you can just sit right there. No pressure, but all over the room, if you're willing and God sees your heart right now, that you'll join with Nehemiah and Dr. King, Rosa Parks, and countless others. If you'll place your hands up, palms outraged as if you're giving yourself to God, and you'll pray this prayer as we close today. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer to follow. Our Heavenly Father, many of us, sit here with our heads bowed, eyes closed, those online. You know our hearts as we pray. And we admit to you that most of our lives have been self-guided. We want to do life our way. We drive, and you're in the back seat somewhere. But today, Lord, God, we got to change seats. And I hope I speak for everyone in this place when I say, God, from this day forward, Please, you drive. Here are the keys. Wherever you want us to go, Lord, wherever you want Gigginsburg to go, you take us there by your will and by your way, no matter the price. And God, I also know there are those in this prayer today or those listening or those who will be listening online months from now who are seekers, who are still trying to figure out this Christian way Many need to pray a prayer first of yes. Yes, that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again. And I need him today as my forgiver, as my leader, as my savior and Lord of my life. Saying yes is a big deal. And I pray that many seekers today will say yes. And Lord, finally, for the rest of us who know who you are, who are taking your hand today, may you drive our lives from this day forward. For we pray it all and we believe it. Lord, we're trusting you. 
Give us your direction, we pray, as you take us to a place we've never been before. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, if you believe it, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.